It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammonds here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 184. A very happy Mother's Day to all the brilliant mothers out there. Uh, today, we have two games to go over. Two home games. Uh, two more crucial games gone by a point. Yeah, it's a very valuable point. Uh, after the dreadful display against Brentford on Wednesday night, toothless in front of goal, followed by Spurs on Saturday where we were well spoiled for goals. We showed some real fight uh, to come back from 3-1 down after 74 minutes, secured a well-earned point. We will take a look back at both games and also look ahead to what's next. Uh, We also have to award our belated goal and player of the month for February. 
And joining me, as usual, is the Moscow Mish, Kevin Milverton, and the returning Tim Bizantz. Uh, no preview this week, as there is an international break next week, because the Euro 2024 qualifiers begin. Um, England will be taking on Italy in Naples on Thursday, and then on to Ukraine at Wembley uh, on Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to seeing Moscow Mish's international roundup. Uh, but firstly, uh, let's get him in first. Kevin, how are you this week? Not hungover? <laughs> no, no, I love my listeners. But uh, yeah, mean, happy Mother's Day and uh, yeah, belated uh, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of our listeners of an Irish in- extraction or, or insertion, including yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I took it quite easy this time. No, that's good. That's that's wise. You did oh, say never again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, to all our listeners, I mean, you didn't realise the state that Kevin was in last week. It was really bad, almost to the point where we had to stop recording because Kev had to. He was going to tear himself away or, you know, pass out or whatever. But we, we, we powered through it. I say, well, you powered through it, Kev, much like um Jan Bednarek tried to do yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you, you just caught me in the very short one hour window where I was uh, somewhat comprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very much worse for wear um, well into this week. Uh, yeah, I'm still, still feeling not 100 percent honest. Well, that brings me on to the next bit. If you really appreciate what we do, uh, you could consider buying us a pint or in Kev's case, get him a coffee, get a nice strong coffee. Buy, um, buy me a pint of Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for all the all the hard work that Kev put in last week to uh, to power through that show, he definitely deserves it. But um, yeah, if you'd like to donate to the show, uh, show your support to us, uh, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh, any donation will be greatly appreciated, even if it's a penny, you know, just just do it. It'll be nice. Um, and of course, uh, Tim Bazance. Tim, a very mixed emotional week there. We had the Wednesday game, uh, which was which was dreadful. And then Saturday. Wow. I mean, what a game, especially for the neutral. Um, but yeah, d- differing feelings over the side this week. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that my wife keeps saying to me that. Southampton plays up to teams, and so when you play to teams that are around your level, we we falter, and that continues to this day. That you know we're picking up uh, points against Manchester United and Tottenham, but we are looking like trash against teams that are supposed to be at our level, like Brentford. I don't think um, I don't think anyone's on our level at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yes, because we're at the bottom. Everyone is above us. So I mean, uh, we will find our level. There are several leagues below us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is correct. The scale of what we need to do to continue to potentially be safe. Fortunately, the teams around us are keeping, you know, keeping close to us, but now they all have a game or even sometimes two games in hand. Things to consider as we look ahead to the next matchups. Yeah, and actually, before we, we, we go into the news, I want to discuss, you know, moving ahead and, and how we have to improve um, home form, especially this season. I mean, it's been absolutely horrid. Um, and then if you look at the table on, on away games, then we sit comfortably in 11th place, which is hard to believe, and that's four wins, one draw and nine losses for 13 points. Then you look at the home table and, you know, you can guess because it's, you know, it's rock bottom, two wins, four draws and eight losses for just 10 points. And you, you, you cannot hope to stay in this division with home form like that. Uh, the performance we put in recently at Chelsea and, and United away 
you know, that's that's fun. Oh, I'm, I'm going to bypass that Leeds one. But some really great results and performances on the road. But what's the cause for this home form? You know, because we can't play the same way at home. I mean, yesterday we showed some fight and, you know, that we hadn't seen all season, really. But, you know, that sadly was was a rarity. And we need to build on this positive result and, and turn around our home form, if that's possible. Um, our next home game being against Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's not a, not a great way to build on the home form, is it? But that, yeah, home is where the hurt is, and it seems like that's the way it's been going. And you know, there's there's ten games left, um, and six of which are in April, so a very very busy month coming up because we're finished with March now, uh, and that's three at home and three away. So Tim, I'm going to read you through our April fixtures. Um, so we've got West Ham away, which, again, you know, West Ham are down there with us. They have got two games in hand over us. If we lose to to West Ham, that's that's disaster. Um, but then, you know, home to City, home to Palace, away to Arsenal, home to Bo- uh, to Bournemouth. Um, there's some games there that we need to win. Oh, and of course, we've got Newcastle away to end April, which we're not going to get much there. But like I said, Tim, West Ham away is a must. Palace at home is a must. Bournemouth away is a must. We need those nine points because, you know, City, Arsenal and Newcastle, you might as well just put them down to a loss already. Yeah, absolutely. And so my plan going into this, uh, and by this is the, the safety the rele- uh, to avoid relegation, was we needed to average 1.5 points per game from when Sellis took over. So right mm. now we're at eight points out of six games. So 1.33, below that threshold. If we continue at 1.33, that puts us at 37 points. That's not going to that's not going to secure safety. So to me, we need to continue looking at, you know, winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. Or, you know, when we draw these games, we have to make up the points somehow, some way. So scraping against uh, United and Spurs, that's wonderful. But you're right when it comes down to the West Ham, to the Palace, because those are the teams that are in the relegation fight, it's it's 12 below, it's 12 and below or 13 below that are all within five points of each other right now. Mm. And we need to consider that we need we need to win that. So let's say we beat West Ham. Um, so that puts us at 11, you know, 11 points in seven games. That is looking at 1.57 points per game, um, which is a great. And then you lose to City and then you pick up points against Palace you maybe scrape a point against Arsenal or City or, you know, considering it and you, you just keep powering through because there are winnable games, regardless of whether we think, um, you know, we can beat City or, you know, beat Arsenal. Um, so to me, uh, if it, if that 1.5 points per game from when Sellers took over would have put us at 43. And mm-hmm. to me, I feel like with the relegation fight, 43 would would be safe. And you think of like, isn't the magic number 40 points? You think yeah. It's they, be... Well, they used to say that, but they, they keep upping it every year, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but but 43 to me would be would be fine. So you know, if we if we if we beat West Ham, and then we lose to um, City, that brings us back down to 1.4 points per game. So then you go and beat Palace. You know, that's 14 divided by nine. So 14 points in nine, and so you're at 1.56 points per game. So you're continuing on. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I guess if if this trend continues, where the teams around us are also um, picking up points, I think the threshold's going to be a lot lower than forty three, because we don't. As long as, I mean, when there's one team that's absolute dog shit, and all the other teams pick up points from, then the threshold's going to be higher. When you've got two teams like that, uh, yeah, it's going to be even higher. And as long as we're not the team that is <laughs> dog shit right at the bottom. Um, if we don't pick up any points to, by the end of the season, um, that would be us. Um, but yeah, if the other teams keep it up and there's this this prolonged battle with you know five, six, seven teams in a relegation battle uh, right right up to the end of the season, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, 35 could probably be enough. Uh, wow, hopefully, because it might it might it might need to be. But the thing, like you know, the teams around us that have appointed new managers, like Javi Grazia at Leeds, is, is doing. Well, he's doing great. Had a fantastic win at Wolves on on Saturday. Um, uh, Sean Dyche at Everton has come in and done something. Uh, they're they're all picking up these points. And as I say, those six games in in April are going to tough enough. But then, Kev, if you think of the the remaining four in May, bearing in mind we have to play Liverpool at home on the last game of the season, you got Forest, Fulham, and Brighton. You almost what? Do we need like seven points there? You feel like we're going to because I, I, I'm. I'm just going to write off those games like Liverpool, like Newcastle, like Man City. And I'm looking at the teams that we desperately need to get points against. But then this is Saints, isn't it? You go and get three points at Stamford Bridge. You get a point at Old Trafford. You pick up a point yesterday from a seemingly you know, game over against Spurs. Saints, and this goes back to what Tim just said, Saints always have picked up against the big teams and you know, shut down against the teams that are around us. Well, I mean, our last three games are, um, on paper, they're incredibly di- difficult fixtures. Mm. Um, Arsenal away. Are you Sorry, thinking, yeah. Uh, are you talking, uh, about, we, talking about April got or May? Ball. Sorry, yeah, the end of April. Yeah, um, yeah Arsenal, uh, Newcastle. Arsenal, Bournemouth uh, and Newcastle. Yeah, last games of April, yeah. Christ, yeah. I mean, yeah, Arsenal and Newcastle, those are going to be very tough games. But um, I think by the time we get to Liverpool on the last day of the season, that could easily be a dead rubber for them. Um, that's not necessarily an unwinnable fixture. I think it is at home. <laughs> it's as crazy as it sounds. You know, I'd fancy us to pick up a point at Anfield. But at home, I, I think no. if we can be in the position that we are now uh, in a month's time, uh, that's not actually... Uh, bad going because um, April we, we've got um, we've got Forest, haven't we? Uh, yep. Fulham, Brighton, and that Liverpool game potentially. I mean, those are all winnable games. <laughs> well, I mean, all thirty-eight of them are winnable. Yeah, but I mean, some are more winnable than others. Mm. Um, we, yeah, we, we should have beaten Forest at home. There's no doubt yeah. about that. And that Leeds one away is going to kill us, I think. That's going to be the, the nail in the coffin because Leeds are picking up points all over the place. We don't need them picking up three points yeah. against us. You know, that, though, uh, it's those games, games that you like look that. back at. Yeah, there's, there's, been, there's been many of those. And even the Brentford one away because we just threw in the towel in that game and, and just got absolutely hammered. Um, and even on Wednesday night, there was just nothing there, which, which we'll come on to in a bit. But, Oops, oh. that we fucked up. Yeah, another massive, massive game. Are we going to have, um, at the end of the season, are we going to have the Great Escape music at the beginning of the podcast, or are we going to have the Titanic music at the beginning of the podcast? Well, that's up to the players, isn't it? It's going to happen either way, so yeah. <laughs> um, right, uh, shall we shall we head into the ITN news then? Let's do it. This 
is ITN in that number news. Okay, then uh, ITN news. I'll start with the news uh, at the beginning of the week. A 17 year old Will Merry has signed his first pro contract. That will keep him at the club until 2025. Good news. Um, yeah, I'm pressed in the under 18s this season and is the leading goal scorer for them. So, yeah, that's a nice bit of news to start the week with. Uh, the next bit of news wasn't so good because the, the, the injury to Kyle Walker-Peters at the end of that Brentford game, I, like many others, felt that this could be a problem. But, uh, but you know, no issues whatsoever. Played the full 90 against Spurs. Um, however... We did have some real injury scares in that Spurs game. And the first one looks like a bad one, really, doesn't it? Armel Belakotchap. And Tim, I'm going to get your opinion on this one. Dislocated shoulder. The second time this has happened. Um, the first was October 16th. He did go on to make the World Cup squad. Um, but yesterday, taken to hospital. And I remember, actually, Tim, when he had this, this injury. And once you've had a dislocated shoulder, you are susceptible to having more um, this and it has happened again. It's, this can't be good for him. Yeah, it's definitely not something that's ideal. Um, it's something in the range of like 80 to 90 percent of your chance of after dislocating a shoulder is something that you'll be able to reoccur and have that same injury again. Um, so the likelihood of what pain is he able to push through um, because it was only like, what, two or three weeks he was out last time. So you might have a further time that he would go through this time uh, because of the recur uh, the recurring injury, and you want to be able to hold off uh, on you know his pure his pure recovery. Then again, you want to be able to get him back into the game if he's your designated starter at center back. Um, so to me, um, you know, I think this is something that people have had surgery in the off season and then we'll play through the pain or play through the opportunity for it to, uh, for him to get back in. I think that's something to consider. And I think that now he was called up for the Germany squad and he's going to be out for it, uh, this time around for the Mar in the March games. And to me, I think he's going to be out for probably about a month. Um, and it's not good because we've got a serious run of fixtures, um, uh, that we're looking forward to. And we want him to be back in and be safe. So I think there's a better prognosis for him this compared to what Bednarik's injury is. Yeah, and going on to Bednarik's injury, Kevin, um, broken rib. Looked really, really nasty from my view. Because when he went off the pitch, he looked, well, he looked like he was going to throw up. He was grimacing. I don't know if you saw that on your on your um, images, but he was like he was like right in front of me. And he, you could see that it wasn't right, and he looked—he just looked really, really bad. And then he went back on. Yeah, he played on. What a fucking trooper! What a warrior! Yeah, um, he was also taken to hospital. Um, but yeah, as I say, both injuries yesterday horrible. But yeah, broken rib for, for Jan Bednarik and two key centre backs out now. So it's wherever the rib is, it's it could be something where it just could be, you know, pressure on uh, not necessarily a vital organ, but just pressure in the case that. Um, yeah, to it, me, too. Now, it's funny you say that, but it, to me, it looked like he was struggling to breathe. That's, so I don't know the, if it's hit his, if, if there's anything that's done, done to his lung, but it I don't know. It looked it looked far worse than what they're saying. Oh, it, it, there's two. I mean, you can have a broken rib and be fine in about two weeks, but you could have a broken rib and be out the rest of the season, too. Uh, so it depends on where the rib is. And so you can see that he was coughing. And seriously, I wouldn't be surprised if he was coughing blood and we they didn't show it on camera. 
um, or he was caught, you know. Well, I can say he did it right in front of me. He he didn't look like he was coughing any fluid up whatsoever. It just looked like he was reaching from, from where I saw. Oh yeah, because he he basically you know he, his ability to breathe then you know, in the ab in the abdomen is is um, it, it was it wasn't good there and I think that that's a scary one to be able to go through because you need to one heal the injury and then two it's an injury that he may not necessarily be able to keep up his cardio and be able to train so take a look at ABK and he dislocated his shoulder guess what you can still do when you're you can ride a bike. Um, you can stay at least somewhat active with a broken rib. The guy's going to be, you know, bedridden or, you know, wearing a, uh, wearing a rib cage cast for a, a serious period of time. And, uh, hopefully that, you know, there's, there are occasions where in a broken rib you need to have surgery, but, um, it's less, it's less likely to occur where they're able to make some type of small adjustments to his day to day life. And I really don't know what's going to happen with him because there is the recovery period of the injury and then getting back to full fitness. Um, that's, that's just all in all. That's the, that's scary. So, um, I will tell everyone that if we don't remember, um, Jan Bonarek took, uh, and is a fighter. He took a, remember, if you remember the Swansea game, uh, where we stayed up and we're lucky to mm. stay up. Um, of course he, I remember. Took, <laughs> he, he took a punch to the face straight from, I believe it was McCarthy who was in goal at the time and was completely knocked out completely. You could see that he was completely disheveled and looking all over the place and he gets in, you know, after you see that he gets up and gets consciousness, he's, he's fighting off the trainers trying to stay in the game and be able to do that. And they're like, no, you're done. Like you're done. And they were like ripping them off. And the team, and uh, I believe it was your Stevens or, um, Oh geez, maybe the Nathan Redmond who are like, you got to man, you're fine. Like there's more important things and you're completely concussed. So him, you know, being concussed in the, in the relegation scrap, now breaking a rib coming back after, you know, such a bad part of the first season, the first bad part of the first half of the season, uh, to me, I mean, thank you very much, Ben Arik, and uh, you're not the problem that's been caused uh, in our season, ultimately. And just keep on fighting and hope you have a good recovery, and um, thank you for your service. Yeah, an absolute idiot for wanting to go back on, but um, all, all appreciated. And I think he's going <laughs> going uh, some way, Kev, to, to repaying what he said about going to Villa. Did we take it all back? Yeah, I think we should, shouldn't we? Because again, Maybe not like, all of it, but most of it. Yeah, you can't say that. I still stand by that, but you know, he's getting stuck in, and he, he looks like he wants to be involved, and he still wants to be involved with a broken rib. So yeah, let's get off his back and uh, let's wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but yeah, looking thin at the back now, Kevin. The, the international break coming at a good time, I guess, because you know, well, we've got Salisu back now. We've got um, we've got and Yanko and um, Chaleta Tsar as well, and we're probably going to have to use Maitland Niles back there. Um, like yesterday. He yeah. did quite well. I thought he did, yeah. He had a very good shot as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, was maybe, uh, and uh, penalty as well. <laughs> yes, and he won us a penalty, yeah. Forget. forget. Um, some interesting news from Crystal Palace, yeah, following the sacking of Patrick Vieira. Believe it or not, yeah, Kev, Roy Hodgson is the bookie's favourite to take the role. <laughs> yeah. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Followed by Jesse Marsh in second, right? And third... Any guesses, Kev? Oh, Ralph. It's got to be Ralph. Yep. Yeah. 
Ralph as third favourite, seven to one. What do you think of that? Ralph would be a good shout. I think you know um, if they get even just a little bounce, so they don't need much to stay in the league. I mean, they're they're, they're only what, three or four points above us, but you know, a couple of good results, and they can be out of the relegation scrap and even try and try and build Ralph Ball at Selhurst Park. Uh, yeah, good luck to him. I wish he was still our manager. Then. It's going to be odd. It'll be really odd because imagine that, like Ralph gets appointed in his first game in charge at St Mary's on the uh, fifteenth of April. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I don't know how I feel about it's it. Perfect I, script. Is... I, I obviously want him to do well in whatever he does, but I don't know. I just don't. I don't want to see him in the Premier League again or well, against us. I just don't want to see that. Well, that just goes to, to show how much I, you know, go back to the Bundesliga and like yeah. take Stuttgart to UEFA Europa League glory or something like that. Fine, I'd be happy with that. I would, or yeah. even go even go on into international. That would be fantastic. But mm, Australian national coach mm. or, or, or England. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? That? <laughs> he couldn't even keep Southampton up. How can he be England manager? <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And speaking of uh, internationals, um, there's a few that we uh, we we have made. The, uh, their international teams are uh, Che Adams for Scotland, uh, Stuart Armstrong for Scotland, um, Samuel Adozi, England under 21, Gavin Bazunu at Ireland, uh, mm-hmm. Will Smallbone, Ireland, Mislav Orsic, Croatia. How's that? He hasn't been playing. Like, Ward Prowse has been playing and he doesn't get in the England squad. You've got a strong team like Croatia, a World Cup finalists, and you've got Orsic not even playing, but he makes the Croatian squad. Weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. Um, Bednarek and, and Bela Kocap, obviously, yes, Bednarek was in that Poland, Poland side, but he's not going to be there now. And Bela Kocap, Germany won't be playing the qualifiers because they are the um, the hosts of Euro 2024, but they, they did name their squad for the friendlies against Peru and Belgium. But Bela Kocap will obviously miss out with that shoulder injury. Um, but the biggest bit of news, uh, Romeo Lavia, first senior call up with Belgium. That, that That's massive right. news. That's brilliant. Did you not know that, Kev? I know. No, oh wow, yeah, massive, massive news for him because um, obviously Martinez is, is out with Belgium now and Tedesco, he's in, he names his first squad and he names Lavia. No Axel Witzel, which is brilliant. So, so, I mean, we've been saying for a while that it's definitely time for Belgium to move into their like next generation and Lavia looks like he's going to be the forefront of that. So, excellent news for, for Lavia. And let's not forget, he's a teenager. Yeah, Excel- let's repeat that as much as we can whilst, whilst we can. Yeah. He's a teenager. He's a teenager, yeah. Um, so, but you're not getting a call up. I don't think so. No, not at any point. I just remember after after this performance. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, loan watch loans. Then uh, the only one that I'm going to talk about this week is, of course, the the one that everyone's been talking about, and that's Nathan Teller. Again, Stop. Three, yeah, just incredible. What what an what an amazing season he's having. Three one win at Hull on Wednesday. Uh, whilst we were getting beat by Brentford, Nathan Teller was scoring a hat-trick on a wet and windy evening in East Yorkshire. So <laughs> fantastic for Nathan Teller. Um, and I, I believe, though, that Burnley got beat by Man City in the uh, FA Cup quarter-final last night, didn't they? Um, I think it was 6-0, wasn't it? And another hat-trick for Erling Haaland, Tim. Is that right? The guy just can't stop scoring. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I mean, he's gonna, he's like the shoo-in for the Ballon d'Or candidate for 2023 yeah. at this, at this point. Oh, I think, I, I think, um, Pierre Walcott's got to be named in the shortlist, surely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of Theo Walcott, it was his birthday on Thursday. How old is Theo Walcott? You just said he's 34. <laughs> I did, didn't I? What a bastard. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he is 34. And also on St. Patrick's Day, Friday the 17th, it was Fraser Forster's birthday. 
You missed that one. How old's Fraser Forster? Thirty-three. Tim. He is thirty-five. He is thirty-five. Just turned thirty-five on Friday on St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, they're just right. there's a there's a year between Forster and Walcott, a year and a day actually. But yeah, player and goal of the month. Yeah, February was a difficult month. But, you know, lots of changes, lots of losses. Three out of the four actually. Brentford, Wolves, and Leeds. Um, with the win at Stamford Bridge, the only you know bright part of that month, only scored two goals. Um, we had Charlie Alcaraz with his first for the club against Wolves. I mean, if you remember, it was a it was a hit which was blocked, and then he swung his boot at the the, the rebound, and it went in off the post. Um, and then we had that Prousey free kick at Stamford Bridge. Uh, so there are no surprises that Prousey takes goal of the month there because it was special, and of course he's just one away from equaling David Beckham's now. Um, player of the month. Again, when you have such a poor month results-wise, it's difficult to pick out four players that have, that have been, you know, the best of a bad bunch. So we decided to go with James Ward-Prowse, Roman Perro, Romeo Lavia, and Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, could you have a guess who won Player of the Month, guys? Prousey. Prousey. No, it was Alcaraz. Good choice. Well done. Carlos Alcaraz gets Player of the Month. So yeah, well done. A little applause for Alcaraz. Well done. That's good. Um, and of course, we need to discuss the March one now as we're finished with uh, with, with February and, and prepare for that hectic April. Um, but yeah, five games in March, Kev. We've had two losses, uh, <laughs> Grimsby and uh, Brentford again. Two draws at, at Old Trafford and at home to Spurs and then that Leicester win. So five goals scored. Three of them were yesterday, of course. Um, but we'll have to put the bowls out uh, once me and Mush have uh, had a discussion about player and and goals, so so look for them. Um, we're going to include that penalty. Oh, no, I suppose we don't have to, we, do we? Which one? I mean, we don't have to. It was a good penalty. So unless I'm trying to think back. Are any of their goals, like, so shit that you wouldn't put them on? Well, you got Adams yesterday. You, you got, a little tap. You yeah. got yeah, Adams, Walcott, which was a tap-in. They were both tap-ins. James Ward-Prowse with the penalty. We had um, Chaletta Tsar with the, uh, the goal against Grimsby in the cup. Um, and then you had Alcaraz's goal against Leicester, which is probably going to win it, let's face it. Doesn't matter what we put in then, does it? <laughs> not, not, not really, but uh, we, we'll do it anyway. The B team then. Yeah, they played Friday, uh, Friday the 17th of March. They had a 2-1 win over Aston Villa away. Um, and that was a double from 16-year-old Jay Robinson. Kevin, what were you doing at 16? Preparing for my GCSEs. Yeah, not scoring two goals in... Uh, in Birmingham for your club. Yeah. No, fantastic from him. Yeah, uh, and they play Derby next Friday, Friday the 31st of March at 7 o'clock. That's away. Uh, the women, uh, they are, oh, they probably just finished now, haven't they? Oh, no, they kicked off at 12 o'clock. I'm um, playing Durham. 1-0 yeah. down. 1-0 down after 72 one minutes. Goal disallowed, so 15 minutes. Yeah, not good. 1-0 down. Uh, next match is Bristol City at home next Sunday. Uh, at two o'clock at St Mary's, so I, I might go to that one actually because we're not podding, are we? So um, yeah, I, I quite fancy <laughs> going to see the women at uh, St Mary's next week. So yeah, under 18s uh, at Cobham yesterday, Chelsea away, uh, and they lost five two. So yeah, bit of a hammer in there. Um, but Josh Pitts with both goals for Saints, and then the next match is West Brom at home. And that's on Wednesday, the 29th of March, at uh, one o'clock, and that's at Staplewood. Fellas, we're, um, we're going to have to start this this match report with a bad one with Brentford uh, from Wednesday. In the previous three and only Premier League meetings, the home size has taken victories. So uh, another record snapped here by Saints. Nice one. Um, Tim, I'll start with you. Uh, Sellers deciding to change the side and keep, you know, the, the side that kept a clean sheet against Leicester um, and United. 
Uh, so he made two changes and both weren't met with uh, well a lot of pleasure, really, because Romeo Lave was out, replaced by Diallo. Moy back in the mix. Uh, Tim Lavia did so well against Man United. He played a huge part in keeping that clean sheet. He was hectic for 90 minutes and says obviously felt he needed a breather uh, and wanted to include him once again for Spurs. And that, that's what happened. I know what he said afterwards, um, but, you know, look, Kev, he's a teenager, right? He's still a teenager. You have to give him... Um, still a teenager, yeah, come on. You still have to give him a rest at times. But, um, Tim, correct, or, you know, Sella should have thrown him in from the off? Well, I think that he had a plan that he was going to most likely sub Lavia in and play, you know, a portion of the game, whether it was 30 or 45 minutes. Um, he did want to have, have that mentality that he is a teenager. And so with being a teenager, you need to have, I guess, the proper recovery and nurse that injury that he had maybe uh, potentially six weeks. You know, he was out for like, what, six weeks, almost two months. And we don't want that. He is, if not the most important, one of the most important players on our team right now. Yeah, him and Prousey. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen that Prousey can go, you know, he can go 90 minutes as many games as we need in the season. But I agree with the idea, but we know that we need as much as possible. We need, we, we know we need as many points as possible. And he felt that it was the right choice. He certainly did. And, and Kev, I know we discussed this a lot, but I'm Elianusi back in, back in his plans again, not wanting Stu for this one. Um, well, Adozi, Orsic, Rebo, who's just banished, it seems. Um, what is Elianusi doing that those aren't? Wow. That's, that's a really tough question, isn't it? Um, they're not. They're not really doing anything either, are they? And Gineppo as well. You could throw him in that mix. You know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, there's so many players that can play there. And yeah, I get what you're saying that they're not really doing. I mean, what, what Adozi? I mean, he was he was a starter for Ralph and for Nathan Jones. And Sayers comes in, and all of a sudden, he's nowhere to be seen. Same as Aribo and Orsic. Yeah, it's just it's a shame. He's really exciting. Um, he's one of those players. Uh, he's um, yeah, really. Really good on the ball, but just just terrible off that he's kind of thin and a bit weak, and uh, he's still still young. So um, yeah, he's not going to be able to play as many minutes. But yeah, as I said before, because we've got so many players in that position, we could just swap out the entire midfield at half time and uh, and bombard them that way. But you know, Elohim Lucy over the Brentford game and his first game, I don't think he's looked as bad as his critics would say. Well, I don't think he's he's offering anything. I don't think there's I don't think he's done anything in that team that, that nobody else would do. He, he's running, but then Adam Armstrong could do that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you, when you put Adam Armstrong in, you could have exactly the same conversation about him and say, why is he in there over other players? That we've in that but position? Adam Armstrong played no Spurs. minutes. He, he, he played zero minutes against Brentford and Spurs, but he was named on the bench. So you know, he's still naming him. He still thinks that he's a part of his side, but not throwing him in there. And I, I just think Elianusi is the same sort of thing. This is just my opinion. Obviously, I don't see what, what he's doing in, in training, but I just don't think he's offering anything on the field right now. And I don't think, for me, there's a lot of players in, in that line that, that deserve to be ahead of him. Yeah, it's, I think everyone should be given a chance at some point. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought Elianusi was, was rather good yesterday. Really? Mm. Okay. I didn't see enough of him. I just thought they, he was just invisible at times. Uh, which is quite a lot this season, really. You know, he hasn't scored. He hasn't got an assist. It's like for a player that, that moves around as much as he does, it's, it's not enough. It's, it's just, 
yeah, yeah, good it's, it's good. It makes good progression, and um, it then loses the ball and just stops. Mm. <laughs> yeah, more of that then, please. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but no, but yesterday, 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 I thought it was a bit more effective. Yeah, the Brentford game then, uh, pr- pretty evenly. Well, it's a pretty even start. But nothing really exciting happened to him. But we we did see more of the ball in the opening 20 minutes. But Brentford just looked more threatening when they had it. But Tim, I don't know. I just I got the sense that it was just going to be one of them nights where we were never going to create anything, and it was just going to be that way throughout. Yeah, I mean the classic trap game of playing down to your opponents. And when you talk about Elianusi with the lineup that we we threw in, you know what what did he bring? And to me, uh, I, I think I've said it before, is that the reason he gets in the team is that he gets told what to do, and then he does it based on what the manager is asking. What we see as production and flair and opportunities to score, we don't see, uh, you know, the, the, the fans, we don't see that. And to me, um, I'm, there's a disconnect there between what he can provide and what he can actually contribute. So contributions there are he's a team player, but so is Adam he, Armstrong. Correct, but they aren't you know providing the quality that we demand as fans, but also that we can justify that by showing stats and numbers that show that he's not scoring he's not making the progressive passes you know he might be in the defensive positions that are necessary to support the back line and he might be doing exactly what the manager is telling him to do but there's nothing there's no scoring there's no there's no assists there's no there he seems invisible to the rest of us Mm, yeah exactly I just think that He's just, he's just not doing enough for me to get to get in the team that, that with a lot of players that, you know, are, are queuing up to, to be in there and to get that chance again. Um, but yeah, not enough for me. Uh, Kev, the the opening goal then, it won't surprise you that it came from a corner, and we failed to get ahead on it. I think Norgard beats Prousey, doesn't he? And just flicks it back on, and then Tony's at the back stick and just pops it in. Easy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was coming, wasn't it? I mean, I think that in that first yeah. half, there was about uh, half an hour of, of back and forth, and you thought, okay, this could be really exciting, exciting game. And then the tempo sort of just um, waned a little bit, and you started to see that um, Brentford were making a lot more of those attacking opportunities, and uh, they really spotted um, a, a weakness, uh, and and that was just. The weird sort of with with our zone zonal marking, it's quite often that the, that back post is is completely unmarked. Um, yeah, I mean Tony's he, he was given space on multiple occasions that he really shouldn't have been. Um, yeah, I was, again it's another goal from a set piece. Uh, I don't know how many times we're going to have to talk about that again in the season. Um, just, just really, really poor communication on defending. Um, Walker Peters, we shouldn't have to rely on him in the air, and uh, mm. we, we really should. Uh, I don't know. He should just, he should just do better. Yeah. He, he's, the, he is their, their biggest threat. You know, he's, the, he's their best goal scorer, and you need to have somebody just, you know, stuck at his feet and making sure that he, he doesn't get into those spaces. And that didn't didn't happen. 
Talk. No, and it's something that hasn't improved at all, has it? Well, I guess it has under under Sayers than it did from Jones, but that wasn't difficult. But you know, still conceding goals from from corners and and from crosses, it's just I don't know. It, it's something that, like I've said so many times before, it's something that you can plan for. You know what what the ball, you know, ninety percent of the time the ball's going to go in the box. Uh, you get goal side of your man. So, they so do easy. in training like week exactly. in week out. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, it did make me laugh. Well, there wasn't a lot that made me laugh during this game, but there was one thing that happened that did. It was when um, Brentford had a corner at one point, and uh, I can't remember. I think it was um, it was on their corners. Matthias Jensen comes over to, to my corner flag, and he, he goes to take the free kick, and one of the Saints fans shouts out, Hey, Tony, what's the odds on how many corners? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's half of my gags out for this section of the podcast out the window then. Yes, uh, half time then, Tim. One nil down, no shots on target with 62% of the possession, not one shot. That's ridiculous. That that shows our problem though, doesn't it? Do they even realise this? Do they realise that they can't move the ball properly and that you have to test the keeper? You know, especially on that greasy surface that it was on Wednesday night. The possession that we had was absolutely meaningless if you cannot do a thing with it. And it's the same old story, you know, you, they get the ball out wide and, you know, the team, this, in this case, Brentford, too well organised. And then we end up going sideways. Then we end up going backwards. Bazunu then hoops it forward and boom, we lose possession. It's just making it too easy for them. This is supposed to be a Premier League team. They can't keep doing this bloody tactic because it's not working. Um, so our problem is scoring goals. And you know, we, going into this game, were tied for the least amount of goals scored in the league. So Shock. when you are looking at us getting it into the final third and then passing it around, I feel like as soon as we get into the final third, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah, the intensity like, sort of drops then, doesn't it? The intensity is always there. The fans are off their feet when the ball's moving through midfield. And you think, mm-hmm. here we go, here we go. And then it's just like, oh, oh, it's going that way. Oh, and then it, oof, the ball goes back out and we lose possession. It's just, this, it happens. It's recycled over and over again. Yeah, I don't really get it. And I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Why that we can still be so inept. Uh, and that's why, you know, with the Alcaraz goal, we scored on the corner. Uh, or, excuse me, on the counter. So... You know, going into this game, Brentford had the the final third on lockdown. They were able to let the let us have possession, knowing that we aren't going to do much with it. Exactly. And too easy. Yeah. So they they found they found our flaws, which are pretty easy to find, and then exposed them. So congrats to Thomas Frank because he did a great job against us. Yeah, I love that man. I do. I think he's brilliant. Um, but Kev, we had one big chance early in that second half Kai Walker-Peters gets gets to the edge of the box slips it back to Che uh, and Raya makes the save well I'm not even sure if Raya did make it I think it went through his legs and they cleared it behind him but all started from that beautiful through ball from Alcaraz but the whole chances that we had which it was just not enough you don't you don't if you don't test your keeper enough you know this is what's going to happen you're going to get beat and score no goals. I mean, again, we came out in the second half um, looking a, a little bit brighter, but again, it just fizzled out. And uh, Brentford were quite lucky for lucky. Sorry, they were quite um, happy for us to um, to see more of the ball because uh, I mean, they pretty much knew that we weren't going to do much with it, and just like they did in the first half, just kind of rope and dope us into. Uh, mm-hmm. 
giving the ball away uh, sloppily and um, taking advantage of the, the chances that, that we were giving them. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that, Adam's chance, I mean, yeah, it could, that, if that had gone in, it, it would have been a very different game. Maybe maybe the heads would have picked up and we could have applied a bit more pressure. But Yeah, I think it would have been a different game. I think Bournemouth, uh, Bright, Bournemouth Brighton, one of the Bs, Brentford would have moved in, <laughs> maybe moved into second gear and got another one. Yeah, I mean, it might, neither team's really... Um, moved out of first gear but yeah um i think you know just with a little just a little bit of luck and you know just to show that you know we can get something from it and and yeah maybe maybe the, the confidence would have, would have increased but um yeah just just wasn't to be i mean it's pretty much the same kind of chance that we got against spurs that um that shay managed to get across the line mm. Yeah, sometimes they come off. Tim, Sayers pulled the trigger first on 56 minutes, the triple substitution. There's one thing we can say about Sayers is that he does make his changes earlier than, than Ralph did. Um, whether you agree with the decisions, I mean, I, that's up to you. But uh, Kyle Walker-Peters had to come off because he had that hamstring scare. And Bree replaces him. There you go, Kev. You said he was never going to be playing in the Saints shirt again. He's done that now. Oh. Uh, Lavia and Walcott on. Uh, Diallo and Elianusi off to big cheers, I will say, because that is kind of like what we wanted to start with. And indeed, we did against Spurs. So, yeah, tactically, Sayers seems to be a little bit more quicker to the punch. The problem is, is that it's planned. I don't, you know. Yes, I guess, yes, agreed. Well, I guess you can have planned subs. And when you're in a rotation based well, game. Well, Kyle Walker-Peters wasn't planned. Yes, that, that that was obviously not planned. We didn't expect <laughs> Bree to, to come in. Um, but he he did, and he was. I think he was fine. I think yeah, he I made did. a few. I think he. I mean, I think he's a Another backup thing you got wrong, to. He, he's a backup quality right back in the Premier League, and you know, a borderline high quality starter in the Championship. Hmm. He is what he is, and he's a known product. I don't think. Um, so to me, he came in and made some progressions, and I think he actually does fit well into the system, and he's going to be here for – I actually do think he'll be here for a few years. He's a player on a cheap, cheaper salary compared to a lot of these others, and, you know, we didn't spend a lot for him. And he 750000 you know, he cost for a backup, which is, I'm, I'm still fine with. Yeah, he, he, he's obviously a good signing. So to me um, – you know, what to look at it, uh, you know, we want to think that he should be reactionary. And, you know, I think the reactionary was putting tall Paul in more so than say somebody like Shaky Mara, mm. which I think he had planned for um, the, uh, the Tottenham game. Yeah. But one thing I didn't like about um, when on you actually come on, was just like that. That's the, that's the, all we can do. It's just like, you, you're not going to be able to pass it around the Brentford defense. You, we know that they struggle in the final third. The only thing you can do now is just hoof it up to the big man and hopefully he can, he can hold it off, knock it off to someone or in, indeed score himself. And it wasn't working. It was just that you weren't even testing the keeper. It, another thing that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be our day. And OK, we were looking better in the second half and we did have spells, but there was nothing happening, really. And even Prowse's free kick wasn't good. There was no accuracy in that. And that was another sign that things weren't going to happen. And it just, yeah, I, I just got that sense that we could have played for 90 hours and not found the net. Yeah, I uh, know actually had 10 touches in that match. Yeah, and that's with a plan to get it to him. So t- 10 to oh my God. Yeah, not good. And, you know, <laughs> looking back at the, the, the commentary on this game as well, they were saying that Saints dominated the second half in terms of p- possession, obviously not shots or, or any clear-cut chances. But that second goal... 
was really against the run of play, wasn't it? From nothing and another little flicked header and Visser with one-on-one and just, yeah, just tucked it away. And that was it. I got up and just thought, no, that's it. Off I go. I mean, do, are we going to blame uh, Bazunu for this? Maybe is is it his goal kick that's sloppy or is it just uh, the fact that we can't get the, the first, second or third ball? From it? <laughs> uh, and... Does he come out? I mean, it's not too soon and it's not too late. It's just kind of, it seemed, seemed indecisive. Yeah, I guess at that moment, I just didn't really care. It was just like, you're going to lose this game 1-0 or 2-0. It makes no difference. Goal difference is not going to be a factor if we stay up or go down. It, even even in that last minute, you're still in that match. You know, if we get a chance like that and, um, and put it away, then, then we get something out of the match. That's a very good point. But again, I'll go back to the fact that I just felt like it was one of those days that we weren't going to do anything. And I just didn't think we could carve in a chance out, get a penalty, get a corner. I just felt like it was it was never going to happen that day. And it was, yeah, just a just a dreadful result. I don't know, Tim, do you do you um do you share Kev's assessment on on uh, Bazunu there? I mean, Bazunu is the 20th ranked goalkeeper in the league. So. I think that there's a lot of things that we don't see um, that are from the naked eye, unless you're truly looking at him. I think he's out of position a lot of times, and I think that he can always do better. And I think that he is put in a place that is hard for him to succeed. And if we stay up, despite him, you know, it's only gonna it's gonna be t- it's gonna be tough going into next year into the championship, which might be better suited for him. Yeah, definitely. And and he, I know he's not a teenager, Kev, but he's still young and. Um... We just we we do need to stick by him. I think he made a brilliant save on Tony early on. And bearing in mind his game against Man United, I thought he was fantastic. And I thought that done him the world of good. And then to start the game against Brentford, he made that point blank save on Tony. I thought, yeah, excellent bit of goalkeeping again. So I don't want to um, I don't really want to point the finger at him. I've done it enough this season. Um, which has been, I think it's been deserved because, but I, 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 again, I forget, you know, just how young he is and, and how he is being put in a position where he's, he can't succeed really. Um, and yeah, I, I think if we do get relegated, then he stays with us and he's our number one and it'll be, it just, it just grow and grow and, and hopefully we can keep him around for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd rather that, you know, he was there, not with that in mind, but you think that we'd have a, a different first-choice goalkeeper this season. Absolutely, and yeah. still got relegated, then that would be his chance to shine in the championship. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. I mean, I said that months and months ago, didn't I? I said that why not throw Willie in or, or Maka? Because they've got the experience and it's what we need right now. We don't need a, a 21-year-old goalkeeper that's, you know, low on confidence, that's making a mistake week in, week out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the, that, that's why it's, it's the wrong time for him. Uh, he's only been put in this position to fail. It's it's it's, it's not fair on him. Um, but yeah, nothing first half. Second half started promising, but you know you can't win matches if you don't shoot and no shots on target. Uh, we we don't seem to test keepers enough and or not at all, really. Um, just making it easy for them and don't seem to have a clue in vital parts of the pitch and well, both ends of the pitch. Um, can't create anything. It just goes backwards and eventually ends back. You know, to Bazunu, who sit and, you know, we lose possession, repeat. And we have to start working. We have to start working the keepers, really, don't we? And it was, it was a frustrating performance. And I don't know, Kev, do I have to start travelling up to every away game so I can have something to smile about? I don't, I don't know. If that segues just nicely into <laughs> yesterday's match, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, some stats, Kev. Have you got any stats for this Brentford game? Um, just to use like I say, we got no, sort of no shots on target. Um, but seven shots in total. Uh, they had 11. Um, we had the lion's share of possession, 66% after the 34. Mm. Uh, yeah, to, to me, that just makes it worse. You get all that possession and you've done fuck all with it. It's just... Yeah, that's what they do, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And clear cut chances, Kev. Free to Brentford, and it won't be difficult to guess how many we carved out. <laughs> Fuck all. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sayers, then, at the end of the game, he said, um, I, I think the game was about managing the key moments, and we were not good enough in the key moments. These couple of set plays leading to the first goal, we can defend it better as a team. I think we were structured. We had some of our principles, but unfortunately, we didn't make the last bit in the final third. Now, I think this could be the season in a nutshell, really, couldn't it? Especially at home, not doing enough in the final third. Those key moments he speaks of could be Che Adams' misses throughout the season uh, and Walcott's chances recently, apart from the the Spurs game. Um, And not defending set pieces have hurt us for a huge percentage of goals we've conceded. So his comments that post-match made me think of the whole season. Yeah. Uh, Tim, man of the match. No one. I Jeez. knew you were going to say that. No one. You know, um, I think I just, I, I like Suleiman's energy. I like Belkacep's ferocity back there, even though we didn't finish, uh, you didn't, we, we didn't, we finished with a, a 2-0 loss. Um, so I'm going to give it to Suleiman. Kevin? James Bree. Are you joking? <laughs> yes, of course I am. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, if in doubt, usually give it to Prancy. Um, he wasn't particularly impressive in that game. I thought uh, the only one that looked like he was uh, trying hard at all was uh, Adams. But unfortunately, we just, just didn't have much to, to feed off of. I mean, we've seen it under Sayers a lot that we, you know, we like to play out from the back and, uh, you know, slowly but safely play our way up the pitch. But, you know, by the time we do get to the final third, um, everyone's on to us. The, the, you know, the ratio of our men in the box that there's is is too low. And, yeah, the chances are few and far between. So, yeah, I don't blame Che for uh, poor result. But, yeah, I thought he, thought he was, you know, as a spirited effort for least. OK, I, I thought it was really tough to decide one here because we were all shit, really. It and, was. And, and this just goes to prove it because we've all gone for a different one here. Um, no one really deserved a mark higher than five today if, you, if you're marking them all out of ten. Um, but I'm going to go for, for sheer work rate and appetite and I'm going to give it to Alcaraz because he tried to stay busy. I mean, his movement, I thought, was the best. You could see, like, off the ball. Obviously, me being there, I could see him a little bit more than, than what the telly is picking out. I think he worked hard and I think he does create a lot when he hasn't got the ball. Uh, or he tries to, um, but just nothing really worked, and it, it wasn't, I mean, wasn't for a lack of trying. Even, even when, even when he has, I mean, he, he gets into the situation that I described, and just you know, just goes for it, just takes a crack from outside the box, and yeah, all right, it'll hit Rosette, but yeah, again, at yeah. least he's trying. Exactly, and I, I, you know, he's got to be. If we're doing a player of the season right now, he's got to be up there for me with with one of the performers of the season with Prousey and, and Lavia. I think he's, and he's don't forget, he's only been here since January. I think he's come in and I think he's been, I don't remember a game where he's been terrible. Well, apart from this, where everyone was, but you know, the, the, even that he, he stands out for me as, as man of the match. Kevin Spurs game from Saturday, three changes uh, from Brentford. 
uh, all happy with them, I, I think. You know, Lavia, Walcott and Stu in. I'm happy with that. But seeing my man of the match from that Brentford game, Alcaraz, wasn't in the team. Not so happy, but, you know, something's got to give, hasn't it? Um, Suleimano also out uh, and Diallo too. Uh, but yeah, say, as I said before, that he has a big squad and plenty of players are doing well and showing him plenty in training. Hence why he went with Diallo on Wednesday night. Uh, in many ways, it's a good problem to have. And it could be, it can also be difficult to give everyone the time and, and that they need or deserve. Um, and you just think about all those options that he's used in this week, Kev. You know, you've said many, many times that you could then take off your entire midfield and replace them with players. But just this week in that in those in those key positions there, Prousey, Diallo, Lavia, Sulemana, Elianusi, Alcaraz, Walcott and Stu. Um, and that is not even the likes of Adozi, Aribo, Adam Armstrong, Gineppo, Orsic. And if you have to use all of them, Sayers is doing a good job in trying to use as many as he feels deserve it right now. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, this was, this was planned that um, Walcott... Uh, Armstrong and uh, Lavia would rotate in for this match. He says it's not, he's not looking at it on a weekly basis. He says he's doing it game by game. So the fact that he put Diallo uh, and Elianusi in in that Brentford game and then Walcott and Stu in in the, uh, sorry, Lavia in the uh, Spurs game, he said it was just a game by game decision. Uh, So I don't know whether I believe that or not. I find it hard to believe. Yeah, he's got to look at the bigger picture. I mean, that's the, Two games in four days, right? So you've got to you've got to manage your squad. Especially I don't know if you know this, Kev, but Lavia's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's still only <laughs> But yeah, uh, good, good game. Definitely one for the neutral, as I already said. But there were certainly no fans leaving early this time around. And and did you know that this game made Premier League history? Would you care to guess what it was? Um most injuries in the first half. Wow, it's on that same line. It's just the quickest time that both teams have made a substitution in the same match. With Bella Kotchev and Richarlison off inside eight minutes. Um, and it was also the yeah. first time uh, since 2006 that both sides have made two subs before the half. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting. It was quite, a, quite a, a hectic first ten minutes, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, it was a really weird first yeah. half. Um, I wasn't quite sure what was going on. It's like... <laughs> At the Battle of St Mary's. Um, Cursed pitch, I thought. Bella Kotchaps and Bednarik's injuries. Just, oh, my God. I mean, I couldn't care less about Richarlison's. But... Davies. Oh, yeah. There you go. I even forgot about uh, about Davies, yeah. But, yeah, Salisu uh, and Maitland-Niles are not ideal, is it, from the start? But I think I think we may have mentioned it at the top that Salisu came in and done well. Yeah, I mean, when... Um... Bella Kotchak came off. I thought, like, okay, you could be got Salisa on that. Oh, we only got one, one centre back on. Okay, right, okay. And then, yeah, when Bednarik picked up the hand, I thought, oh fuck. We yeah. have to go free at the uh, back here. Eh? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, just one centre back. No, that can't happen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, making Niles here. It's the only obvious choice. Um, Which is why. He's why he's important because he's a utility player. It's good to have players that can play like that. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen him as um, one of um, three centre-backs. We haven't seen him in a a pair yet, have we? No. And for a makeshift centre-back, I thought they were good. It's fucking fantastic, yeah. Yep, I thought so, yeah. But we did have a couple of early scares, didn't we? I think Eric Dyer had a header and um, Pedro Porro Mm. blazed one over the bar. Now that, Kevin, that, that was poor from Perez. That was ominous, yeah. He shut off 
Poro completely just walked away from him, which was a warning mm. sign, which he didn't heed, right? And then Sun had an effort that was whistled. I thought that went in when he hit that, because from the angle that I had, it looked like it nestled. I just thought... Oh, oh really? No, God, no, yeah. Clear. Clear. Yeah. That was clearly going quite straight away. Yeah, but from um, my angle, it was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they they were warning shots, right? Um, yeah, yeah Poro and stuff. I've, obviously, you didn't have the um, the benefit of the, the the joyful commentary. I mean, don't know about our listeners, but um, on the broadcast that I was watching, uh, the Poro uh, versus Perro. Um, <laughs> yeah. Way too much fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was getting quite boring by, by the middle of the first half. I actually, I've got, um, it, I've got it down on my notes here, actually, Kev. Perro and Poro. So. Perro and Poro and Perro and Perro. Yeah, yeah um, it, it, it was a key battle. I mean, they, again, identified um, a weakness. Um, Perro there, he's very slow at getting back, isn't he? I mean, he's great getting forwards. Um, he, he delivers beautiful crosses into the box. But fuck me, is he slow getting back? And he loses his man way too often. And Poro yeah. just, yes. Just, I mean, they might as well just put a barrier up and just let Poro <laughs> do runs up and down it, you know? Yeah, I mean, is that what you were um, seeing on your, from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, from, on, yeah, on the pictures and on the commentary. I mean, yeah, the contact has also picked up on that line. So, Poro, fuck. Mm. <laughs> yeah, keeps losing him. And, um, yeah, they just kept, kept pushing, kept pushing, and, um, yeah, eventually got the chance and I, I was so disappointed because I, I was quite proud of the team that we'd well with the storm I thought okay if we can just go in at half time nil nil you know everything anything's possible you know we can get something out of this yeah and that was a real bad time to concede I mean it's never a good time to concede Oof. right right on the stroke of half time and when Perro's had a warning oh, sorry yeah Perro god yeah. <laughs> Perro was had a warning and Poro again and yeah it's just so much space just uh, it's unforgivable you know I didn't even quite realize how much space it was until I watched the highlights back uh, and seeing it then it's just oh, legit, oh my how, is, how Son, Son is such a great perceptive player and he sees that straight away yeah and he's like right nice crossfield ball yeah unmarked by post miles in space and, uh, good yeah hit. good hit brilliant finish brilliant finish off the bar did Bazuna get a hand to it not that I saw. Mm, okay. I just heard that someone said he he almost saved that, and I thought mm, I don't think he did. He hit it quite hard, but yeah. Um, if he had got a hand to it, unlucky son. But yeah. Um, halftime stats suggest that it was stark contrast from Wednesday night because I know I know possession was down forty five percent though, not too bad. Um, eight shots, however, which massive improvement. Mm-hmm. Even though we didn't score, uh, and then you know the second half. Che Adams gets his 10th of the season. Great assist from Theo. Uh, perfect. You know, He put it into a spot where Che couldn't even miss, really. Che can miss from anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't this time. Um, but yeah, great yeah. work from Theo. And, and I, I'm so pleased for Che because it's been a while and he does get in those positions a lot and he doesn't get what he deserves. And sometimes, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take his chances. But here, nice little tap in. Uh, against against his old mate, so yeah. And what was good as well was when 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 the um second half came on and and, and Spurs uh, went up our end. Uh, Fraser comes and takes the goal and and all the all the chapel stands stand up and, and applaud Fraser and he's there clapping to us as well and it's that was nice to see. Uh, 
I, I worried I worried for him that he might get a little bit of a boo. And I, I thought Hoybier was going to get one, which he didn't. I didn't hear any of it from him. Um, we just forgot about really? it. I didn't hear a thing. I heard a couple of boos when he was. I would have done if he had been. I don't. He just. He was just non-effective, like he was with our, with us, really. <laughs> just a non-factor for his for his career. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry Kane. Uh, Harry Kane. Who else? Yeah, his ninth header of the season gave them a two-one lead. What happened here, Kev? Uh, Maitland Niles and Walker Peters have got him right. They're, they're, they're sandwiching him, but it doesn't seem to be enough. And. Nobody mentioned that cross from Kulisevsky because that was excellent. Yeah, and it's again, um, yeah, Perot just just letting that happen. Um, Scathing on Perot today. I need to say it. I'm just going to say that I'm going to put it out there. He's not in the running for your man of the match, is he? No, I mean, he could have scored a hat-trick in that match and I probably still wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, so your your the second goal come down to him from the start should have stopped that supply. Yeah, I I, I would say so. Yeah, if you, if you if you if you look, I mean, it's just you know, but Kudelski, um, he had his time to get. You just go and close him down, just charge mm. him, not put him off, do something. But he just goes, just gives up. You, know? you see, I was finger pointing at uh, the the two at the back there, Walker Peters and, and Maitland Niles, but I guess you know the the. the, the they're quite small, aren't they, compared to Kane? Yeah, this is the thing. You, you, when you put um, five foot seven um, fullbacks um, to mark Harry Kane, mm. uh, you're not leaving yourself with much chance at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was, a, it was a great header. I thought, yeah, I don't, don't think we can really put great put header. The blame. Great cross. Mm. As yeah, Harry Kane doing what Harry Kane does. Yeah, and then, well, <laughs> game over with the Perisic goal. I, I assumed it was game over. And it, again, that not winning a header again. That ball come into the box. Was that Kulisevsky again? I don't, I, I can't remember. Was Kulisevsky, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, and Romero knocks it back, uh, which we should have won. We should have stopped it there. Uh, and Perisic, who hits one into the ground and, and beyond Bazunu. Um I can't tell you how bad I felt after that because I wanted to leave right there and I was just, I just fed up. I just can't keep doing this. And Were there any fans leaving at that point? No, but they were, I think... Oh, no, there were. They, I tell a lot, there were because the Spurs fans were singing, is this a fire drill? With, with 15 minutes to go. Yeah, we were all getting <laughs> out and leaving. But um, no, I have to admit, I did consider it because... but. Like I said, in that Brentford game, you could tell that there was nothing going to happen. So I had no, I had no problem getting up after that second moment, and I had no problem because the game's over, and you know they're, they're not showing anything. It was 97th minute by then. Uh, but this game, I don't know. There was something telling me that you, there is still something to get out of this game, whether it be a goal just to pull one back. You know, I, and I felt like yeah, that, that can happen. We were taking shots then after that because Maitland Niles at a beauty, didn't he? Which was saved by by big phrase. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, something amazing happened. Theo Walcott. Well, I mean, it's 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 from that chance, isn't it? That, um, from the corner, indeed. Corner, yeah. You know. And um, yeah, that gets quite cleverly recycled back to Prousey, and yeah, it's just a wonderful cross that uh, Mara uh, heads heads it down for Walcott and just rolls it in the post. I think that's Mara's third assist of the season as well. So he's um, yeah, he's not scoring many, but he's uh, he's getting up there with the assists right now. 
Um, uh, Tim's left us, by the way. If you haven't guessed, um, he had to he had to work, so um, he's off. But I really uh, is this a fire drill? <laughs> <laughs> um, he he hasn't been very very uh, friendly uh, towards Theo. Um, he, he he's he, he's stated many times that he he hasn't wanted him here. Uh, he thinks it was a bad signing to bring him in in the first place um i would really like to hear what he has to say i'll have to ask him later about what he feels now because the fans are loving him at the moment and he's he's playing well i know it was a it was a simple tap in and but again it's something that i mean if you could pick one player in that team that you want to see score there's a bloody big percentage of them that are going to say theo walcott right yeah i mean he's just dying for a goal isn't he yeah and shane how long Year, year and a half. Yeah, and Che also. You want to see him score, and and we got that. And Mara with a with a knockdown as well. But then you know galvanised from then, and Conte was all over the place then, and trying to sort his teammate. Yeah. He made he made two substitutions, and but we were finding so much space, and I. I I, I, I like uh, watch match today, and I saw that um, Dion Dublin and Ashley Williams, the analysis on it, and how when they were you know three one up. Oh, sorry, when they were winning the game or the start of the second half, they were they only had three at the back. They were pushing their wing backs forwards. Uh, and then as soon as they, uh, as soon as Saints got the second, or no, as soon as it was 3-1, they kind of sat back and they put five at the back and they, you know, yeah. they were they were just defending and sitting. They were doing a Saints, basically. You, you take a goal and then you sit back for the game and it doesn't work. Um, and we were finding so much space because of it and, and playing with, with intent and intensity. And, making things happen and Sulemana was brilliant then I thought he was great battling back in the middle winning balls back just running at them had a, had a good chance that led to a to a Mara shot which was saved um Alcarez then had a blocked shot more corners um and then we we had a penalty um discuss I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not sure about this penalty which <laughs> I mean um when it happens, I, I, the first thing I saw was just the referee blowing his whistle and pointing to the spot straight away. Very like, delayed. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm was very up with this. I was like, yes, come on. And then as soon as the, the VAR check comes up, you're like, oh, okay, well, they don't do that for no reason. And they showed the replay, and I thought, oh, there's nothing in this. They're never going to let him give that. But um, I don't know who was on VAR that day. But, um, uh, it was yeah, Tony, Tony Harrington. Tony Harrington. Tony Harrington. Thank you. There's a box of wine in the post for you now. Interesting, uh, though. If he hadn't have given that penalty, there's no way that VAR would have stepped in there, though, would they? So that wouldn't have happened. But the fact that he yeah, gave the penalty... I don't know. Did they not have a discussion? I don't know. Did the ref and the and VAR not say, well, hang on a second, there's no contact there. What have you given that for? Um, I mean, is this part of the thought process for referees that um, he says, well, I'm just going to give the penalty, you know, and uh, if VAR overturns it, then it's not a penalty, then, is it? They're, they're, they're falling back on VAR, then, in that case. Yeah. Like, they're they're like, OK to make more mistakes because they've got something to back them up. Yeah, it's like, you know, nowadays we don't have to remember shit. We've got Google that can remember it for us. So it's... <laughs> But it'll be still interesting to know what he actually gave the penalty for, which is why I've said many times that referees need to give post-match interviews um, because yeah. they, they they escape it all the time. And but you know, it's the sort of luck that we've not been having. But did they discuss one. it on match of the day? 
Uh, no, yeah. not at all. The only thing they were discussing <laughs> at length was Conte's outburst post-match, and then. Oh um, right, it's all Spurs this one, isn't it? Not necessarily, because they did say that Saints fans. I think um, uh, they will be yeah, uh, Chappers, wasn't it? He said that Saints fans are probably going to be upset that we haven't talked about how well they played. It, it, the onus is basically going to be on on Conte's outburst and Spurs, you know, switching up to five at the back when they go three-one up and not giving Saints the the credit that they deserve for actually showing no, a little bit enough. of fight. Um. But, you know, they, they did it did a little bit. But they didn't talk about the penalty. And I was disappointed with that because, again, I couldn't see it. And they, I mean, I didn't even see the replay at, at, at St. Mary's. I didn't see it. But um, all I know is, Kev, I couldn't watch it. I, I just, um, as soon as he put the ball on the spot, I said to the guy next to me, he's going to miss this. Because, you know, he's taken two penalties this season. He's missed them both. Missed um, both. And yeah. And even after, be- yeah. And, and even after he, he scored, I said to him, we're going to concede another one now. You know, this is what's going to happen. This is what Saints have done to me. They've made, they've turned me into this. And it's, it's that, that's the way that. No, you were always, you were always pessimistic, Mike. Well, yeah. You know, that's I think Saints has just compounded it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, ice cold, ice cold Prousey. And you said at the end as well. That, Very risky yeah. shot as well. I, it's a bright, yeah, heavy, powerful shot into the corner. That's the sort of um, shot that you could quite easily miss. Exactly. Um, but his post-match interview, it was, um, he said, yeah. <laughs> he said that he felt like it was a win and it, it did. It, it really did. Yeah, and, exactly. and we were even winding up the Spurs fans on the way home. And then you have to remember that it was a draw. But, you know, points have been so hard to come by and you've got to cherish them all. And, you know, the man of from 3-1 down and feeling like it was it was game over to that and a VAR decision going our way. You know, it, it does feel like a win. And, it feels like more than a point if we get two for this. I don't know. It's it's fight. It's belief that we can do this now. And if we can do that every game now, then, you know, we can we can stay up. Um, And his interview, again, mentioning big phrase, uh, being his best mate and all that and former neighbours and taking penalties in their gardens and stuff like that, knowing him so well, working with him for so long as well. It could be difficult. Because you know you know each other's game inside and out. You know where Prowse is going to put the ball. Um, <laughs> he's also said that he didn't want to look him in the eye in case he laughed. Yeah, it must be weird. You know, you just um, you do it in training for years and years, and um, yeah, you even do it in in the back garden for fun. And here you are against each other. You know, after all those years, um, doing it for real. So yeah, I mean, again, that's why I think he took that took that um high risk shot for the penalty it's because you've got to do something like that to, to catch big phrase now and it worked yeah it's, mm. it certainly worked great penalty as well um is this the turning point kevin is it do we build on this now <laughs> or, or... I, <laughs> I mean you know i thought we were dead and berries but then you know we're still we're treading water uh, our, our heads sort of half Half in the water, half out. Our nostrils are just, just poking out there. But it's been like that since, since October. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've we've looked we've looked a lot worse this season. We've looked a lot better this season. I don't know. I think it's the only kind. It's this sort of thing that you can only say in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we? Is this international break what we need right now? Is it? I mean, is it good that we can regroup and, and reassess what we have to do and what we have coming up? And or is this? Do we want to? Is it going to kill the momentum? Yeah. Is that, do we need to strike while the iron's hot? Um, I don't know. It, 
it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, we've had uh, chances <laughs> like that. We had the massive chance of the World Cup break uh, that we royal, royally point, fucked yeah. up by appointing a man who was completely incompetent at the job and uh, throwing away must-win fixtures. Um, the fact that we're we're still in this relegation battle uh, is part miracle already. So. Anything we get out of this last stretch of the season is going to be a positive in my book, um, although it might ultimately not be enough. Yeah, I guess the only good thing about it is the fact that we can have these injuries. They can they can rest up a little bit more, um, Ednarik and and, and uh, Bella Kocha. Yeah, a post-match interview then. Um, he says he's feeling proud, very proud of the performance that the boys put on the pitch. Very proud of how the crowd supported us in the last 15 minutes, just the last 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I think it was, it was a key moment for us. Uh, of course, we need to analyse the game, get things we didn't do well. But I think we didn't deserve to be 3-1 down. And the comeback just shows how much football and character uh, we have uh, in our dressing room. Uh, so, yeah. And then there's, I mean, I don't often do the opposition post-match interview but I feel, feel like we have to mention it here um, and I'm sure that you've got a lot to say on Conte's outburst but firstly right there, there's a reason that we don't like to record a podcast straight after a game because there's so many knee-jerk reactions especially after you know a loss uh, and it must be it must be difficult for Conte not not just Conte but all managers have to face the media after a game like that and they don't have the luxury of waiting to cool down before they give their thoughts and yeah Conte's always called Italian. Yeah, exactly. And he's always called a spade a spade, doesn't he? He's always wore his yeah. heart on his sleeve. Um, but there's another part of me that thinks you need to be more professional. You need to be more private in your scathing assessment of your own players and your team um, and keep it in the dressing room. But which side of the fence do you sit on? Kev? I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed um, Conte's tears uh, last season. That was fantastic. And uh, yeah, <laughs> to see him again get his downfall this this season uh yeah it's a brilliant piece of entertainment but i don't know when he when he was talking i thought you know i kind of can't help but agree with him and you see um spurs going into this match in in fourth place and it's a crossroads for them is it isn't it i mean are they gonna uh, go on a run and uh bag a Champions League position or are they going to spurs it up as usual and um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, he's uh, right yeah, Conte, Conte says, yeah uh, think that it's, it's the latter um, uh, whether or not he's to blame himself for that um, I think it's a matter for debate but um, yeah I mean, the fact that they sat back and yeah played five at the back I mean those wing backs weren't really doing anything after that third goal, and they almost instantly just to, to fuck it up like that. I mean, yeah, what a load of Tottenham. <laughs> Stephen Parler Hotspur. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read out some of the things some of the things that he said because obviously he went on for a while, which was it was it was entertainment. But yeah, uh, I'm not used to seeing this type of situation. I see a lot of selfish players, and I don't see a team. I see players that don't want to help each other and don't put their heart in. Until now, I try to hide the situation, but now, no, because I repeat, I don't want to see what I have seen today because this is unacceptable and also unacceptable for the fans. I'm really upset and everyone has to take their responsibility. 
not only the club, the manager and the staff, the players have to be involved in this situation because it's time to change the situation if Tottenham wants to change. If they want to continue in this way, they can change the manager. A lot of managers, but the situation cannot change, believe me. Wow. And, and I think Jamie Carragher has said that he's trying to get sacked in the international break. Uh, again, I agree. I mean, I, I don't I, we, we, we criticise people, uh, players and managers for not saying what is completely obvious anyway. And then when they do come out and say something, we criticise them for saying that they shouldn't be saying being it. Being unprofessional. Being and unprofessional. being unprofessional. Yeah. So I, I don't mind it at all. I really don't. I don't. I don't. Um, but I mean, if I was a Spurs fan, would I would I dislike it? I guess it's not nice to see an outsider come in and say some such horrible things about your club. Someone that's only going to be there for what ten years max, and that's it. You're done with him, or well, probably five years max, knowing or even less than that. But two, three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to have someone like an outsider come in and say that about your club over the last twenty years is not something that you can take. Yeah, I mean, just uh, you might as well have just said, uh, yeah. You know, your trophy cabinet's empty. <laughs> when was the last time you won anything? You've got no fans. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't disagree with it. But it's just that, I, I, and, and then saying, well, you, why, you know, you have to leave it for the dressing room. But maybe he did. Maybe he left it there as well. Maybe he said, I mean, you can imagine what happened at, at the full-time whistle when he just absolutely, he must have let rip to his players there and then. And even if, I mean, we don't know. He could have said to them, Look, I'm going to go to the media with this and say what I really feel, and you guys, you, you know, you better hear it. He could have said that. We don't know. We're not going to know. I, I doubt it very much, but you know, he could have done. Yeah, that. and it's not as if though. I mean, I'm trying to put my neutral hat on. I mean, look, looking at their team and performance, um, it, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there, there were some outstanding performances. Like Porong, um, he, he was great. Really took advantage of our weakness. Um, Kane and Son. Again, they, they link it up um, as, as as well as they they usually do. Um, they're definitely team players, so yeah, I don't think you can just tie them all with the same brush. No, again, this comes down to a knee jerk reaction and, and you know anger from Conte. But you know, just think of it like this: we did this to him. <laughs> um, which, yeah, which is yeah, just, yeah, that's probably why he's more angry. Is because he 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 you know had a three one against the bottom of the league side that they should be winning if if they're serious about being a Champions League team, and they fucked it up. So against the team that they shouldn't be. And uh, believe me, we've been there. <laughs> we we do that a lot, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, man of the match, Kev. Conte. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just for the entertainment. I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, that is, isn't that the, the most fun you've had at St Mary's all season? Yes, absolutely. Oh, you love it, don't worth you? The, like, worth yeah. the season ticket price on its own. Yeah, you love those games when they're, when they're like that, they're back and forth. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy to think because it was only a draw. You know, imagine if we had, you know, got a 4-3 there. That could have gone down as one of the greatest wins of all time. Yeah. I mean, I did see a headline somewhere, like, um, yeah, six-goal thriller. I'm like, oh, come on. Okay, I don't think that counts as a, a six-goal thriller. But, um, yeah, it was it was one goal short of, uh, you know, if we'd had a, a last-second um, header from a corner or something ridiculous. Uh, to win it, that yeah, that would have been an absolute classic. Um, yeah. yeah, as was that away match um, by, uh, last season. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, performances, a lot of very good performances. Um, Prousey, absolutely instrumental. Um, Lavia giving this usual 7 out of 10 performance. Um, I said before, I, mean, you see, I didn't think he was shit. 
Uh, Maitland Niles slotting in brilliantly as centre back. Real surprise there. Um, yeah, Mara with the assist, we said, been credit there because he's been a, a bit of a, a passenger this season, hasn't he? But uh, it, it's got to go to uh, Theo Walker. I mean, so many chances. I mean, even in this match and um, uh, when he appeared against Brentford as well, that um, he does something great and just falls flat at the last hurdle. So to see him get a, both a goal and an assist um, in front of the, the travelling Spurs fans. You'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, he said it. I don't know. I think there was an Instagram story that Saints put out, um, and you can hear Theo say, "I love to score against Spurs," so um, <laughs> which is nice. Um, yeah, Theo played really well, and it, it, a goal and an assist, as you say, played the full ninety as well. He's thirty-four now, Kev. Um, I, I really wanted to give it to him, but I'm going to give it to Prousey because not only did he hold his nerve for that penalty, but he, he just did more than Theo throughout, I think. He, he had the most shots, most touches, uh, two tackles, two interceptions, one block, most passes, the best pass completion. And I think if he was absent in this game, then we lose. Uh, and just so important as always. And um, yeah, as, as you can say the same for Walker as well. Uh, yeah, but I just say off the ball. No, no, sorry. Uh, and and, and Chelle as well. Yeah, I, I think Che had a great game actually. I think he was. But I, I don't know what they're asking Che to do because he was coming back deep so many times. But he was winning balls in the middle of the field, and it's like, aren't you, aren't you supposed to be the man up top? But yeah. yeah, he was working so hard as usual, which is why I said, you know, Che and, and Walcott. There's not many players above them that you want to see score. Uh, and they both did. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, and and Salisu also, I thought he came on and did well, as did um, Maitland-Niles. But, um, yeah, some crucial blocks. But, yeah, I'm going to give it to James Ward-Prowse. I think he was... Uh, yeah, fair enough. I think the penalty just uh, just tips him over the edge. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that triumvirate there. I mean, imagine if we'd had uh, Diallo, Onoachu and Sulemana. Nothing would have happened. And none of that would have. No. Uh, right, no preview this week, as they say, because we are... Uh, well, you could preview England and Ukraine if you like, but no. Um, yeah, because we're uh, we're off international duty and all that. Uh, sorry, we, we'll go into the Discord. Uh, and I've messed up on the Discord. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah, three people now going for a Brentford win. It was you, Kevin, uh, Tim and Greg. Uh, but you are the only one to go for a 2-0. So max points to yeah. you. Um, Spurs, lots of us, me included, going for a Spurs win. A few crazy people going for a Saints win and only two. No, only. Yeah, only two people going for the draw. And it was you again, Kev, and uh, not Since very you. slim gin. So, uh, yeah, both went for a 1-1, though. So no, I don't think anyone's going to get three or were they. But, um, yeah, a good week. Good week for you. Seven points. That's more than Saints have managed all month. So. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, it's, I think it's the first time I've picked up points for about two months. It's been a while, yeah. And uh, you've gone ahead of me again now. So, oh, well. Yeah, you bastard. But yeah. Uh, Super 6 then. Round 44 was won by Tom Hennigan uh, with 16 points. Round 45 was won by Dan Buck, Stuart White, Stuart, uh, Stephen Allen, Jason Lewis uh, on seven points. The overall is Jason Braganza, uh, and he has 391 points. Fantasy football. Can we just skip it this week? Because I had a shocker. Last week, I was... Um, not far off the top score. <laughs> I think that's my my star moment. 110 points. Oh wow! I got 
that was without using any of my chips as well. Yeah, I, yeah, actually, I do remember you said you could have had a uh, bench boost, and yeah, you would have you would have done it. Yeah, but yeah, this week it's a, a little bit more uh, subdued. Uh, Forty-one points, uh, and I think most of my players have played, and because um, Brighton and City aren't playing. I don't have any subs at all, so uh, yeah, it's not going to be too good. Oh, Jose Sar in goal. That, mm. that four, four past him, and Kilman as well. Fucking yeah, hell. do you know so, what? <laughs> That's awful, but I had, um, I had, I missed the deadline. Mm. Um, I didn't realise that Newcastle were playing on Friday night, um, so I didn't get my team in in time. Um, which is when I usually do it, to be fair. And, yeah, so I've still got... My team is littered with Man United and Man City players um, and Brighton. So I've got... The only person uh, that I had playing was uh, Kieran Trippier and Gabriel Martinelli. Um, I had uh, Saliba in my team, but he was injured, so he got no points. So And my bench was... Um, the only person I've got coming in off the bench is uh, Dan Byrne, and he only got a point. So I'm going to finish on nine points this week. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, well, I feel a, better, a little bit better about my team now. Well, just so you know, um, the average is only 14. So it was a very, very difficult week. And I'm guessing the wow. average is that low because people have got so many uh, Man- Manchester teams. Out. and Yeah, yeah, they have been caught out. I missed a day. That was a sneaky one, though, because I, I was aware that there were so many FA Cup games going on this weekend. But I wasn't mm. aware that Newcastle were playing on Friday night. That kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, I always do mine early. Like, um, yeah, as soon as one... Game week's just about to finish. Um, I try and get get in before the price rises, and because yeah. I've forgotten so many times this season. Um, yeah, Tim Tim's been having an all right week, forty two points, and and he had ninety two the week before. So um, I, he's still ahead of me in our Podders league. Um, not much to play for. Uh, Oliver boasts it's roaring and He's got sixty two point lead over Harry Tizard. Yeah, maybe. One of me and Tim might be able to sneak third place off of them. Um, yeah, in the big league, I think I've... Oh, no, I'm back in the top 50. That's nice. Uh, 34th position. Well done. Oh, I uh, where I am. We don't, need to, we don't need to do that. That's fine. Well, you know, you said it. Uh, you're in 84th position. Out of 85? Out of 111. Not very good, then. That's kind of like relegation zone. Yeah, I think you're in, you're in a, a battle. Yeah, should we kick out 11, uh, <laughs> 11 at the end of the season? Yeah. So the top, top three, uh, Lucy, Lucy Heiner uh, in, in the top three still. Uh, Mar Laney um, in second and Jamie Thorpe is top. Uh, that, that will probably change because it's three points in it at the top. Where am I, Kev? It's just you on this one then. Um, just so you know, you're mm. on 17 points and Tim's on zero. So uh, I've got a good chance to move up even more on him here. <laughs> This is such an unfair contest. Yeah, that <laughs> is true. I say maybe we should do an American one as well, just to level it out. But that would just be more. Where am I? Yeah, we'll just do. Or maybe I can alternate. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll start off. Uh, clue number one for five points. This stadium is located 238 miles from St Mary's. Are you at the Riverside? No, that's much further. That's got to be 250 plus, hasn't it? Mm. 58 miles northeast of Old Trafford. That's definitely in Yorkshire then. And we 
been to Valley Parade already this season. Mm. Harrogate, we've been there as well. What about York? No, it's not York. Um, Clue three <laughs> for three points then. 13 miles away from the Yorkshire Dales National Park. From the Dales? That's, this is tough. This, we're not at Ellen Road, are we? We're not at Ellen Road, no. Clue four for two points. Currently competing in League Two. And has Kazima Alegbi currently on loan? Kazima Alegbi? Oh, Christ, he didn't go to Harrogate Town, did he? Yes, it's Harrogate. Yeah, we have done that before, haven't we? Yeah, quite recently. Apologies. I, I should have said something after your second clue, because you said we've been to Harrogate, haven't we? And I thought, should we say yes or do I not? But yeah, <laughs> I'd let you, let you guess anyway. Uh, yeah, and clue five for a point is at Spa Town in North Yorkshire. Uh, the club's nickname is Sulphurites and has a bitter rivalry with Bradford City which was also on your second clue. Um, the answer, of course, yeah, is Harrogate Town, um, Weatherby Road. Uh, and that's, uh, well, for sponsorship reasons, Kev. Um, the Alka-Seltzer Stadium. <laughs> that would be appropriate, but no. Envirovent Stadium. Right, anyway, next week, we've got no show. Uh, we Because, you know, Euro 2024 qualies, um, we'll be back the week after to chat through West Ham, uh, and we'll preview the Manchester City game. Uh, so, yes, uh, enjoy the rest uh, from relegation chat, if only for a short while. Uh, once again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, up the Saints and come on, England. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up Southampton. Podcast Network.